This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you once again for another hour of technology talk. And I have my friends with me as always. Well, contractually, I have to call them that. Uh, Sean Priest is here in his shed somewhere, probably. Hello, Sean. Have you come out the shed yet? No. No, no, no. It's far too scary out there in the real world. Oh, but well, yes. I am your friend, Stephen. I want you to know. I yeah, care. well, listen, thank you. That that means mm. nothing to me. Good. Um, and uh, Tim <laughs> Schwartz is back with us again. Now, Tim, I'd love to shake your hand, but I'm not allowed to. The government says no. Yes, please wash your hands if you come anywhere near me. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, he sounds oh, ill. Oh, I don't like that. Are you all right, Tim? No, I, I sound ill. My fa- well, I, I'm okay. No. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to prevent sure. myself from being ill after having been sick for, what was it, almost three weeks I was sick, and mm. now here comes corona. Oh, boy. Okay, so, zero, look, Tim. look, it's not it's not any joke or any uh, secret, I should say, perhaps, that uh, we all record our show separately. And uh, now the coronavirus is here. I think it means we're the only show that's ever going to keep going. Yes, I think we're the only thing left after all this. This is just ridiculous at the moment. Um, but yeah, thankfully I'm not beside you both. I mean, I mean that in the nicest possible way, you understand. We're all thankful for that, Steve. Yes, there's something to be said for non-physical interaction for the show, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, listen, I just want to say hello to Hamish McKenzie. I cannot find wow. a more Scottish name Amazing. than that. Oh, I don't think Hamish is actually in Scotland, though. I think he's in Australia. Uh, who got in touch with us on Twitter. Apparently, and the reason I bring this up is because I'm an inspiration, guys. <laughs> no. Yeah. I am. Okay. He said. Right. He did. Carry on. He says, I'm an inspiration because uh, I've uh, encouraged him to brush up on his Braille skills. Oh, After yes. hearing me talk about Braille, he thinks, yeah, it's maybe time to brush up on those skills again. Uh, he was also quite pleased to hear about his old mate, Dave Brown, who, of course, is host of Now with Dave Brown. Sorry, let me do that properly. Now with Dave Brown oh, on good. AMI Audio. Oh, mm-hmm. you like that? I hope they don't clip that and use that, you know. Yes. That's not allowed. <laughs> there is a fee. That's, there's a fee for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be invoicing for that, you know. Uh, for that level of quality. Well, listen, for what they pay, this is what you get, right? So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but look, uh, we've got lots to get through on uh, the show. We have we've got so much to talk about this week. And um, we're going to kick things off with a talk about security, uh, online security. Uh, because, well, look, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? There are so many passwords we have on so many different accounts. Uh, we've all got umpteen uh, logins for different things. And it's hard to know... Uh, what to do, whether to just have one password for everything or perhaps a combination of passwords that you use across all these things. Uh, How do you remember all of them? Well, our very own social media guy, a guy who often lurks in the background, by the way, um, and when you hear him, you'll understand why. Um, (laughs) He lurks in the background uh, as our social media guy, uh, Andrew Wynn, or Andy, as he prefers to be called, because Andrew usually when someone's shouting at him. Um, so we'll call him Andy for the sake of this. Uh, he's here with uh, some word for us on password managers. Guys, I am going to talk to you about something that's really important. Uh, but before I do, I, I just need to log in to my account here. Oh. I think I might have made a typo there. Hang on, let me just try that again. Oh, it's wrong again. Maybe this is the password with the number one at the end. 
Oh, no, hang on. Maybe that was the old password. Maybe I changed it to the number two. <sighs> OK, I'm getting annoyed now. Was this the website that said I needed an uppercase letter? Oh, wow. Was it an uppercase and a symbol? Andy, just get on with the story, will you? You may want to change your Facebook password once again. A new report says that Facebook exposed millions of passwords in plain text. If the CEO of Facebook is getting hacked, how vulnerable are the rest of us? With the user's email addresses and passwords, some 68 million of them, have finally been leaked onto the internet. A 21st century thief breaking into files, not into metal safes. Defense intelligence experts are predicting wide-ranging attacks that in the past have targeted banks, oil, universities. In this day and age, it's, it's, it's not if you're going to be hacked, it's just when. It's okay. You can come out from behind the sofa now. I don't blame you for hiding. Web security can seem like a frightening topic, especially when it's never out of the news. Another hack, another company with stolen data, another warning to change all our passwords again. Ugh, changing passwords. We all hate doing it. Apparently, one in six of us forget our password at least once a week. And that's even when we set the words to something that we feel is memorable, like the name of a pet or the city that we grew up in. It's just every time we're told to change it, all we do is just add a number on or a capital letter here and there. But thankfully, there is a way to make it less scary. In fact, Passwords stopped being a problem for me the day that I got a password manager. Now, that's not some guy named Frank who pops around every time I forget how to get into my Amazon account. Password managers are desktop and mobile apps that securely store all of my login information for every website that I use. So I never have to worry about remembering which variation of password that I opted for. So if you're always hitting that forgotten password button, then listen on, because this will make your life substantially easier. Let me break down password managers into three simple benefits. Creating, managing and securing. Firstly then, creating. The best password managers on offer come with a password generator tool which conceives these convoluted intricate chain of characters that neither you i or anybody else would be able to guess in a month of sundays but that's kind of the idea right i mean listen we're all computer savvy here we don't need reminding that having the word password as your password is pretty daft we're the ones who tell our technophobe relatives that 12345 or QWERTY are about as secure as leaving the front door wide open with a big neon sign over the roof saying, Cooey, burglars, over here! But this isn't just for new passwords. Ask yourself this. In what year did you set up your main email account? That's a long time ago, right? So when was the last time you changed that password? We get so comfortable with our accounts being one click or one tap away that we forget that there's this one simple phrase which we thought up a lifetime ago protecting some of our most important details. With that in mind, switching to a password manager would be a good time for a spring clean. 
Retire some of your old five-character passwords and adopt new, improved, longer ones devised by the software. OK, second on the list, managing. Now this is what won me over. Having a piece of accessible software on your desktop, your phone, your tablet, even as a browser plugin that can assist you with every single login that you make is amazing. I've been online for 20 years. I've created hundreds of accounts that need passwords. How am I supposed to remember which one I've used for each site? Not only will your managers store your passwords, but then they can autofill them into the website for you which is even more of a reason not to use the same password over and over and over again. Speaking of autofill, password managers aren't just limited to passwords. If you ever tire of filling in your home address on web forms, they can even assist you with that too. And what's more, many also feature digital wallets, so your bank details can be safely stored and then used to make purchases online without having to root around in your pocket or your bag for the card number and the expiry date. How nifty. Now, good news for those who share online accounts with other family members. The best password managers offer secure sharing, meaning you can share that Netflix login with your kids or you can let your husband know what the eBay password is. PC users, now you may be sitting there thinking, but my browser stores all of my passwords and that's free. And yeah, while that is one alternative, unlike password managers, which store your encrypted data in the cloud, browsers like Chrome or Firefox store them on your computer in an unencrypted form, meaning anyone who has access to your computer or your laptop, with or without your knowledge, also has access to all of your passwords. Now, you can help with this by securing your PC with a PIN number at login, etc., but I'd still recommend looking into a cloud-based manager. Which brings us on to the final and probably the most important benefit. Security. Think about it. Our banking, our shopping, our insurance details, even the things we don't think other people would be interested in, like our family photos. The more of our lives that we put online, the more at risk we are of losing that information to unsavoury types. Password managers encrypt your password database, adding a whole new level of tamper-proof security. And that's not all. The best ones out there will keep you alert on security breaches across the web. And they'll also protect you from keyloggers and phishing. So you'll find out about the latest password breach on your password manager before you hear about it on the news. OK, I need to admit something here and you might hate me for it. I've just spent the last few minutes explaining why you should look into a piece of software to remember all your passwords for you. Well, to use a password manager, you're going to need to remember a password. A master password. Yeah, admittedly, that does sound like I've just made my entire argument redundant, but stay with me here. Surely, remembering just one password is better than trying to remember dozens. And even then, I don't need to remember that one half the time because the app that I have on my phone has fingerprint ID to unlock it. Isn't technology brilliant? So, there we are. Creating, managing and securing. Sounds great, right? Well, it is. I mean, I've had my subscription for over a year and frankly, I'm annoyed at myself that I never looked into it sooner. Of course, 
We get put off by the thought of giving away what is essentially the front door key to your online presence. But hopefully this has reassured you that this is a decision that you'll be glad you took. The benefits far outweigh the price of an annual subscription, which in all honesty isn't that much at all. If this has convinced you to look further into this, then fantastic. The three companies I'll recommend to you now are leading the market. And more importantly, these are the three that have been tried and tested in terms of accessibility for blind and partially sighted users. They are LastPass, 1Password and Dashlane. All three of those offer free plans, some of which include trials for their premium packages, so you can try before you buy. And this is, of course, across PC, Mac, Apple and Android. So, Stephen, look, before I hand back to you and the guys, I'm just going to have another crack at this password. I've got one more guess left, but I feel that I'm really close. Uh, is he all right? Oops. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Poor Andy. Andy? Andy? That's some oh. security. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I'll tell you, that's the social media account gone then. Um, <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for that. That is a, a great review of uh, password managers and a really interesting beginning of our discussion here on this because, you know, it's interesting. He mentioned three there. He mentioned LastPass, OnePass, and Dashlane. And I think that's great that those exist. But, you know, I don't know about you guys. I use my Safari keychain on my iPhone because it's really safe and secure. I do as well, Mr. Pessimist Sean over there with his heavy sigh. My goodness. No, I love keychain. The only big difference is that it doesn't do like a random automatic change of passwords uh, like these other companies will do. So it it creates mm. a you know, perhaps a long 20-digit random password. It is thumbprint identified, so you can you can use that to get into it. And I mean, I don't know what those long 20-digit passwords are, and you know, I don't need to know. You know, it just generates it, and it just works. Uh, but when it comes to randomly generating a new one every you know, 30 days or something. It doesn't do that. Kind of wish it did. But, you know, it, it still works really well, though. I love using the keychain on my iPhone. Well, the only thing I don't like about the keychain is that feature where it will generate, say, a 20 or whatever it is, character password. Why? Because the issue there is if you go to another website, or sorry, another browser, for example, away from Safari, and maybe I'm doing something wrong here, but I don't think you can use that information on, say, your Google Chrome account because that information won't be handed over there. It sort of lives within Safari or lives within iOS, essentially. That's the only issue I have with it. That's you why may I want to it. try it again because I've had the experience where if that website and I log into that particular website, no matter where I log into it again, so if it's in another browser or even within its own app, so say if that particular website has an associated app, it typically will realize or recognize that that's the same you know, .com or same service and I can use it in multiple places. Sometimes it doesn't, but right above your keyboard that's on screen is a button that says passwords. And when you tap on that, it'll ask you for your thumbprint or your face ID, and then you can just go find it in your saved list of passwords in Keychain, and then it'll remember it from then on. So if it doesn't work, well, check it out in that passwords list, and then it, it should work from, from their forward. That's interesting. You're right on the phone it will do that, but it doesn't do that in the Mac. Well, that's of course, true. it yeah. won't do that on a PC either. So if you go or to Android. devices, 
or Android. Well, yes. Yeah, well, that's the limitation. Who cares about that? Let's be no, honest. you see, that's the point. That's a, yeah, keychain, Apple keychain is amazing yes. as long as you stay in your little box. And, you know, that's... I like my little box. Well, yeah, that's fine. If that's how you work, <laughs> if that's your ecosystem, then, to be honest, you don't need anything else. But if you're switching between, you know, a different uh, Android handset or Windows or a different browser even, if that is the case on the Mac, then you need something else because Apple doesn't allow you outside of itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. No, you're right. Thank that you. Is I know I'm right. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. But but I, that is why, I guess, I'll, I kind of like half the feature. I like the fact that it keeps all my passwords safe, but I don't want it to generate my own passwords. And that actually can be a bit of a nuisance. Sometimes even when you're trying to fill in a document on a phone, uh, usually like a form field or whatever, it automatically assumes that, uh, you know, you might be trying to put a password into an account, right? You might be trying to log in, and it'll think you're trying to create a password. And you've got to find that little button that says, choose my own password, or basically the get lost button, <laughs> yes. and make it work that way. So, you know, it, it, is, it is good, but obviously it depends on the website, doesn't it? A lot of the, the websites, how they're built and how the apps are built, you know, they have to have the ability to uh, to have that information. The question is, though, and I don't think we can answer this, but I think my question would be to Apple... How secure is that information? Because we're passing, obviously, our password on to that company, which you have to do, right? It's They've got the, I suppose they've got the account, haven't they? I'm probably answering my own question. But, I, 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 you know, I'm just thinking how safe that information is if Apple generates a password and then that's passed to a company to be your password in that account. Is is it all safe? I can hope it is. Yes, it's Apple. It's I mean, no different they different are than you creating your own. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. At the end of the day, the the weakness comes in how the company stores your information. That's the weak link amongst all this. You know, all the passwords can be encrypted on your device, on your Mac, using a a password manager or something like Apple Keychain, and the encryption could be amazing. But as soon as you send that off to the company or the website, it's all down to how they store it, and that's where the problems can lie. But look, you've been dancing around like a clown in a minefield over passwords oh. and devices and all kinds mm. of nonsense, priests. So where are you? Nasty. What are you using? <laughs> well, funnily enough, I've just started <laughs> using 1Password for the past couple of months, I'd say, um, because I was going through my junk email, you know, as you do now and again, make sure there's nothing that's fallen in there that shouldn't be. Um, okay, so just a quick quick tip on that mm. one. It's um, yeah. uh, command on a Mac, it's Command-A. That's select all yes. and delete. Yeah, all right. That's how you okay. do with junk email. No, but sometimes, you know, you're, you're waiting for an email. and Anyway, whatever. I, I noticed in there was a slightly odd email that said, um, you have been hacked. And it actually had my password, an old password, in its subject line. Um, oh. So, yeah, there, I knew somehow there had been a, a hack or a data breach somewhere. So I went out and I did get one password. And I've got to say, it is great. Uh, all my passwords are unique and like 40 characters randomly generated. Um, and you can do that. The, the thing I like about it is very much that it's not based on one platform. So I can be here on Windows, I can create an account, generate a random password, and then when I'm on my iPhone in the house, I can open up one password and I can log in using that random password yeah, because it's all it's good, all linked. And I've got to say, it's all very accessible. That is the big sticking point because if you're going to use it on different platforms, how accessible is each one going to be? And so mm. far, one password has been great. 
Okay. Well, we shall uh, watch with interest, and uh, people can tell us what they are using. I think most Apple users are probably using Keychain. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, obviously there are other ones out there, and there are premium options you can pay for as well, and you can, of course, look into all of that. But the main thing is that these are generally free um, mm. at point of download, uh, and then you've got to add on some extras later if you want them. But that's up to you, isn't it? Um, Okay, look, there's lots of news coming in about events being cancelled as a result of the coronavirus. Um, our little show will carry on, mainly because we're all separate. Uh, so we're in quarantine no anyway. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're self-quarantining or self-isolating. I think that's the new phrase, isn't it? Sean already was uh, doing so, that, I yeah. think. He, he's yes. been doing that for years. I think he's been doing that for years, exactly. <laughs> uh, terrifying environment he lives in. Um, more terrifying than outside, I think. But, yeah, so... Uh, Apparently, uh, well, not apparently, uh, Google's I.O. event, that has been cancelled. That was due to take place in wow. May, early part of May. That's been cancelled. Um, there's talk of CSUN uh, being cancelled. It's not It's not been cancelled yet, but a number of the companies who are going have pulled out. Amazon have pulled out. I think Google have pulled out. Um, I think Adobe have now pulled out as what's well. Interesting ab- so lots of companies have come out. Yeah, what's interesting it. about that one thus far is that a lot of the mainstream companies are pulling out the blind and visually impaired related companies, the assistive tech companies. They're still kind of hanging in there as of right now. And it's interesting. You would think they'd be the first ones to, 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 you know, to pull out of the conference because a lot of their demonstrations usually are hands-on for, for people like us. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this because every time I turn around, I see something on Twitter saying another company's pulled out of CSUN, but they're all mainstream and everybody's wondering, should I even bother going? Are they going to even have a conference? So yeah, this is one to watch. Yeah, I'm following Twitter on this one. And um, a lot of the guys who are, you know, representatives of CSUN are certainly at the moment saying everything's going along. But of course, there is that question mark over how worthwhile will it be if, if the majority of companies are starting to pull out? There could be some question marks around that. But um, anyway, we, we'll watch with interest in that one. Of course, we'll keep you up to date here on uh, Double Tap Canada. Now, look, I just wanted to also mention this week about uh, voices. This is a strange one, right? Because uh, I uh, I have a bit of a strange thing going on with my voices on my devices. I've been with Ava now for some time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, well, you know, she's, she's lovely. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I thought it might be time for a change, and unfortunately, um, guys, this week I uh, had to break the news. Oh, Ava, I'm having such a lovely night. Me too, Stephen. There is something, though, I need to tell you. What's wrong? Well, how can I say this? I think I've met someone else. Oh, do you not like me anymore? No, no, not at all. I just, I don't know. I just met this other person and I think that it's its going to work out better. Who is she? Well, it's not a she, it's a he. Hi, Ava. Oh, hello. Lee? Yes, it is me, Lee. When did this start? Well, I was mucking around in the voiceover settings and yes, I was checking out the other talent. And then I came across Lee, and I just was thinking, wow, what a voice. Thanks, Stephen. Well, I hope you are both very happy together. Oh, thanks, Ava. But remember, I'm always here for you, Stephen. You'll know where to find me in the voiceover settings. You got my number. It's VOF8. Oh, Ava, you're just so sweet. 
Oh, it's a tragedy, really. It was an absolute tragedy. <laughs> that quite oh. possibly was the most disturbing thing I've ever heard. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> and you've heard some disturbing things. Wow. Correct. <laughs> oh, we've been on the show for that long and for this long, and that was the most shocking thing you've heard. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yes, well, look, my breakup with Ava clearly went better than I expected, uh, so that's good news. But, uh, yeah, I am with Lee now. Lee's great. Oh, he's lovely. Australian guy like him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's my new voice on everything now. Love it. So, here's my question to you guys. Who is your voice, Tim? Well, it's funny because for voiceover, I do still use Alex. I used Ava for quite a long time. Voice saying use just sounds so dirty and awful, doesn't it? It sounds, sounds, it sounds just wrong. <laughs> but but I do utilize. There we go. I utilize Alex's well, voice uh, after using Ava for mm-hmm. utilizing. Sorry, Ava's voice for a long time. But then it's funny because the Siri voice I use is whatever the Australian female voice is. Um, for whatever reason. Karen, Karen, Karen is, is that yeah. is that also the Australian uh, Siri? I guess it would be. Oh yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but either way, yeah, the Australian uh, Siri is what I use for my Siri voice. But Alex for everything else because he's just I know he speaks so clearly and it's understandable and uh, flows oh. so well. But he's so breathy though. <gasps> well, he sounds like he's an asthmatic. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Alex is asthmatic. <laughs> Well, let's hope Alec doesn't get coronavirus. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, what about you, Sean? Who you use? Well, do you still you use voiceover, don't you? I mean, you of course kind of, I do. How dare yeah, you, kind of, sir? You, know, you turn off that phone uh, voice so often, I don't know. No, what no, no. I, I do like to, um, you know, change it up a bit. Variation, that's the key. Or a long mm, relationship. Using, using his eyes, in other words. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm afraid I use Ava. Uh, I think she sounds lovely. I also use the um, Siri voices, the new. I think actually the iOS 13 Siri voices are really nice. They do sound They're yeah, very good, very yeah. natural. Yeah. So I did use Alex for a long time, but honestly, some of the pronunciations seemed odd. And that's another thing, isn't it? You you change voices, and the pronunciations can change with them. And that, that really that sounds really odd to me. I don't know why that is. Well, that, that... yeah, I, especially because I thought it was pronunciation. Exactly. No, well, you, you're wrong. And that's when you go into the settings and you change pronunciation and tell it to do that across all voices, and you never have a problem. You, yeah, but no, you no, no, that. no. See, no, so many people come on and say, oh, it's not talking properly, I've been in. And that, that setting is always, just leave it alone. Just don't touch it. That's why I say, leave it alone. Um, well, we asked people on Twitter this week what are, what their voices are. Dora likes Alex, so there you mm-hmm. go. Um, that works. Uh, that goes along with you, Tim. Uh, Matthew likes the original Eloquence voice. Oh no! Oh, I know. I I can't do that. I can't Awful. handle that on my PC. I use I Eloquence. Yeah. Oh, Tim, stop it! Oh, but it's so fast. No. What? Yes, that's the thing. That's the only bonus to Eloquence is the speech rate. You can. Ramp it right. Yeah, I used eloquence for ten but, years when I was at my previous job, so it's just it, I'm just so must used be to it. Utterly sick of her then, mm. or him. I've got I've got I've got Lee on my computer yeah, at work. We know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, upgraded there as well. Yeah, uh, Susan says Ava for her, Lovely. and Gordon says he likes Daniel. He tried Ava, couldn't <gasps> get on with her. No, come oh. on, Daniel is the worst thing ever. That's a what? Look, we've got to agree. Daniel is the cyclist. Of uh, <laughs> vocalizer voices. I mean, really, it's just terrible. Um, David says he doesn't like any of them, but he wants Donkey from Shrek to read his screen, and his daughter wants either Minnie Mouse or Donald Duck. 
That's got to be possible. That would be awesome. It, prob- it is on Android, I'm sure. Well, uh, you can get. I know you can download the Vocalizer Expressive Voices. I think that's the app, isn't it? That you download. You download Vocalizer yep. Expressive, and you can then buy the individual voices. There's Ava on there, and lots of others. But you can also get the, the Queen. Um, that's a children's classic. voices. Which I think, the children's voices, I think, is a great idea for for kids who are using. It's phones. very creepy. I did use it for a yeah. while, and then it's it, it sort mm, of freaks you it, out it after does. a bit. Depends what it says. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Bizarre. Anyway, look, stick around. We've got lots more to talk about. We've got high-speed how-to coming up on uh, the subject of security, actually. Uh, Keeping your email safe. Interesting high-speed how-to on that. And your emails. Mark's here, and uh, he's uh, here via Jamaica. (gasps) What dedication. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Okay, coming up, we've got the emails here on Double Tap Canada. But first, Sean has a high-speed how-to for us. This is a high-speed how-to on how to find out if your online security is at risk. Quick, let's go! What is it? Another week, another data breach. We hear about them so often, we almost pay no attention to them. We just dismiss it. A data breach is where information that's stored on a company's computers have been accessed or stolen by an unauthorized user, usually hackers. This information could be anything from your email address, username and password to even your financial details, such as credit card numbers. We're all using so many online services now that it can be difficult to keep track. So how do you know if your information may have been stolen? Well, there's a website that may help. How does it work? Open up your favourite web browser and go to www.haveibeenpwned.com. That's pwned spelt P-W-N-E-D. Have I been pwned? Check if your email has been compromised in a data breach. When the page has loaded, your focus should jump straight to a text edit box where you can type your email address. Type your email here, then hit enter, or type your email and tab to the pwned button and hit enter. Once you've done this, give it a few seconds, then navigate out of the text edit box... And just underneath it will tell you if your email has been leaked in a data breach. Heading level 200 pwned. Pwned on one link breached site and found no link pastes. <gasps> I have been pwned! If you find that you've also been pwned, don't panic. Just because a service that you've been using has had a data breach, it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone has access to any of your important information. Most companies should, and often do, encrypt any information they store. So even if that data does get stolen, the hacker can't necessarily read it. Now, this site can be slightly tricky to navigate using a screen reader, as it does have a lot of ads. But if I keep navigating down, eventually it will tell me the service that I was using that was hacked. My Fitness Pal, in February 2018. The diet and exercise service link my fitness pal suffered a data breach. I knew trying to get fit was a bad idea. That's right, my fitness pal had a data breach, and because of that, my online security could have been compromised. So, what do I do now? Firstly, I change the password for the service that has been hacked. 
And if I'm using the same password on any other service, I make sure I change those as well. If you do use the same password for everything and a hacker gets hold of it, they now basically have the keys to everything you do online, which isn't great. Secondly, get in contact with the company that had the data breach to find out what sort of information may have been accessed. Obviously, if any financial details may have been accessed, you'll need to contact your bank or credit card provider. Additional information. Hopefully, you haven't been pwned. But even if you have, as I said, please don't panic. The most important thing to take away from this is just how vital it is to use a different password for every service. And if, like me, you have a terrible memory, it may be time to start looking at a password manager. And that's another high speed how to. Boosh! I've been pwned! That's alright, I'm sure you can get cream for it. <laughs> I don't, there we go. I don't actually know what pwned. Well, I, I know what it means, but where did that come from? Online roleplay oh, games. Someone's made it up. Oh, Tim, oh, really? look at the youth. Back come in on, the Tim. late 90s, early 2000, the mm. MMORPGs, multiplayer, you know, multi, uh, massively multiplayer online games, poning, as in being owned, um, is, is where that came from. So if you were in a group and you got taken over and you were, quote, owned by the other group, that's where it kind of came from. Oh, well, well done, wow, Tim. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was very nice. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Your purpose has been fulfilled. Hooray! Um, back right. for another week. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> right, back to your bed now. Uh, okay, look, we get uh, emails. Emails! And I mean a lot of emails, and that's why I thought we'd better jump right into these, uh, because uh, there's quite a lot to uh, go through. Mark is on holiday. Mark Aflalo, that is, is on holiday in Jamaica and is <laughs> joining us now uh, via... Satellite, I guess, from Jamaica. Hello, Mark. Hello. Right, let's get into the emails, shall we? Just to let you guys know for added uh, effect here, I'm doing this topless underneath a blanket in a hotel in Jamaica. Nice. <sighs> Our first email is from Ooh. Derry. Hi, Stephen, Tim, and Sean. Hope you're all well this week. I love the show all about using the Braille display. I bought a Focus 14 Blue 4th Gen a couple years ago and love it for typing and getting around on the iPhone. But for reading books and the like, I would love something a little bit bigger. Maybe the Focus 40, but wow, the price. Mm. Having said that, they are worth it. I also enjoyed Rhonda's talking about the fact that some blind children do not see their names in Braille till much later. It is a shame. I also use Perkins and work for taking down notes. I know I could just as easily use a digital recorder, but I do like reading over the day's notes. Thanks again for a super show and all your advice. Regards, Derry. Thanks, Derry. Yeah, I totally get it. I um, I have to say I, I would love to use a Perkins in the office, but everybody in the office would want to kill me within about five minutes because <laughs> of the don't, noise. Don't they, they need make. revising those Perkins? Surely there must be a, a more elegant solution now. You would think. They do have a smart version. They do have a smart version, but it's. Um, hmm. I think it's still as noisy. I think that's the problem. Yeah. It's got the idea, and the smart function is really just a screen so that um, people who are being taught Braille uh, can work on it, and the instructor can see what the person is actually typing. Uh, no, so no. yeah, I don't like that. I'm sorry, no. no, terrible. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the upgraded Perkins. But yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? That there are so many Braille displays uh, out there. Um, that you can get, but of course the cost is still astronomical. The Focus Forty is a lot of money. I mean, a lot Thousands. of money. Yeah, yeah, 
thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, the humanware equivalents are the same as the Focus um, from Freedom Scientific and all of that. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, Derry, I'm with you. But, um, yeah, good to know you're still uh, loving your Braille, as uh, I am with the Focus 14. Uh, Mark, another email, please. Staying on the topic of Braille, this one's from Harry. I and several friends have lost almost all our sight when aged over 60. Most now cannot use a QWERTY keyboard without getting lost. Learning to use a Braille keyboard with all its commands connected to iPhone or iPad has been so exciting, though few have fingers sensitive enough to learn to read Braille. We can't be that unusual. So my question is, why are there so few Braille keyboards available? They are cheap to make, small, portable, and useful to many, whether or not they can use much more expensive Braille displays with their refreshable dots. Is there a market out there still looking for innovative manufacturers? Cheers, Harry in York, UK. Hey, Harry. Well, thank you for your email. Yeah, this is an interesting question. Uh, What do you do if you want to have a Braille keyboard, but you don't necessarily want a display? And arguably, that should be a much cheaper option, shouldn't it? It, But it doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to even exist. The whole argument has has been all the time that it's the Braille cells that are so expensive that makes Braille displays so expensive. So if you did just want a Braille keyboard, surely that would be vastly cheaper. It makes total sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know, Tim, you're not a, a Braille guy, right? But you, obviously this is something which might have piqued your interest at some point. Maybe this would have got you into Braille. Yeah, I've dabbled into Braille a little bit in the past. I did take the first lesson from Hadley Institute over here in the U.S., and I just unfortunately didn't get past that. But I, I, I am interested in it. I still may try to take it up. And, yeah, if I could get into Braille with a, a lesser expensive or inexpensive uh, Braille keyboard and and maybe not even worry about a display as much because, you know, of course, I'm, I'm using that with another device, that would be great. Now, I know Humanware, they have, like, their Braille Note version of, like, what the voice note is that I use um, as a keyboard. And I don't know that that necessarily has a display. But, again... Again, it goes back into thousands of dollars. I'm not really interested in spending thousands of dollars for just a Braille Braille keyboard, which is probably why I would get something like the Orbit Reader or something like that that's a lot less expensive and, uh, and probably would serve my needs very well if and when I ever get back in the Braille. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the... It's the cost, uh, which is often the, the driver here. Yeah. There are two devices I'm aware of that uh, might help you out here with this one, Harry. Um, one is called the Braille Pen Slim. And what I like about this device is that is exactly what it is. It's just a Braille keyboard. There's no display. You can pay a bit more, and you can uh, actually have a display on that if you want. There's a, an upgraded version of it, if you like. Uh, but the Braille Pen Slim is one option. Uh, it is an eight-key Uh, Braille keyboard, and it can work with iOS, it can work with Android, it can work with PC or Mac. So that could be an option for you. Uh, And there's another one coming out, apparently, uh, in the next year called Habel, H-A-B-E-L, Habel. uh, That's uh, what I've been uh, hearing about. And uh, it's not out yet, but it's uh, coming soon is the the phrase. And, um, yeah, that's going to be around about two to 300 euros. So we're not sure what that will translate into dollars I mean, yet. I, sorry, sorry, Stephen. Am I missing something? Why is it not the case that we can pick up, like, a portable Bluetooth standard QWERTY keyboard? You know, you can pick up for 20 30 $40. Why can't you get a Braille keyboard like that? Why are they so expensive? What am I missing? Well, this is what I don't know. But I, I, the only thing I can suggest is, if I'm honest, is that it's probably because of the fact that so few of them 
are made and sold. Um, mm. It's it's not something you would buy in a Best Buy or you know a big store. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, haven't you heard, Sean? We're a niche market. There's not many of us. They don't make a whole <laughs> yes. lot, and so because we're blind, they have to charge so much money for the niche market. You've heard this, yeah. surely you've heard this. <laughs> yeah, it does sound familiar. I've got yes. to say, I found something that I've been practicing Braille. Um, it's a add-on for NVDA called, ooh, what is it called? I googled PC keyboard Braille and NVDA add-on. And you install that, and using your standard QWERTY keyboard, you use the FDS keys as dots, one, two, three, and JKL as four, five, six. And obviously, it uses the NVDA Braille lookup tables, and you can type away in anything using a standard QWERTY keyboard. It's pretty cool. Uh, I've been using it, as I said, to practice Braille. Mm. Well, I mean, this is it. I mean, And that's the other side of it, isn't it? Obviously, on the iPhone, you've got Braille screen input as well. So you have got options here when it comes to Braille, and you don't necessarily need a keyboard. Uh, that Hable is interesting, though, because it actually um, there are t- seems to be conflicting stories about it because what I've read about is almost an iPhone case that goes on your phone, and the keys are on the back of the case. That's such a good so you idea. Hold your phone. It's actually not a bad idea. So it's in landscape mode. You're holding the phone, and the keys are behind the screen. Makes sense. Uh, and yeah, that that could work. That could that could be interesting. Fifty dollars. It'd be um, beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Highly unlikely. All uh, right. Okay. Let's get back to the emails then. Uh, if you've heard of something uh, equivalent that you're using, or something that you've fashioned out of something, then uh, do tell us about it. There are lots of apps. Fashioned. We know for sure. <laughs> yeah, something you you've fashioned built. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, the Perkins look like, looks like something that someone True. built in a garage during World War II. Um, so, okay, let's get some other emails then, Mark. Greg in Pennsylvania also had some thoughts regarding the Braille episode. Hello, Stephen and company. I am writing to applaud you and your team for the great strides forward you have made in making the content of your show more in tune with the needs of the visually impaired community. I especially applaud the inclusion of Braille, tutorials, and increased attention to specialty devices and apps. Your show's become so much more informative, and since I was often a severe critic of your earlier shows, I wanted to make sure I made you aware of my great appreciation of the changes you have made. Keep up the good work. There are many apps and devices yet to cover. Regards, Greg. Oh, I'm stunned. I am wow. silent. Thank you very much, Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, no, it's really <laughs> nice of you. To- <laughs> no, thank you, Greg. Actually, do you know, it, it's, a good point. it's one of the, some of those. It is a, it's a great point, but also, you know, it's kind of nice when someone's been critical of the show to come back and say, and that doesn't happen a lot. People who love, who love to complain <laughs> will often sit quiet when something goes well. So, you know, I really do appreciate Very you fair. taking the time to, to email them with that. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Mark, what else? Daniel from Ottawa got in touch with us on his thoughts on audio description. Hello, Stephen, Sean, and Tim. Following your conversations from a couple weeks ago regarding the audio description, I also agree that there should be some sort of Marrakesh treaty allowing audio descriptive tracks to be made available to other countries. I believe that if subtitles are easily provided, audio descriptive tracks should be as well. Although I do tend to watch content without described audio, but only if I can't find it without described audio anywhere else. Given the choice to listen to content with or without audio description, I would much rather watch it with AD. I'm glad to see that here in Canada it is mandated the channels play content with audio description between 7 and 11. I myself was not aware of that. Sadly, since we don't have accessible cable boxes with our cable providers, I bravely cut the cord and watch all of my favorite shows through my iPhone using the mobile apps from all the major channels. 
Sadly, with those, there is no option for audio description, but at least with Netflix and Disney+, Plus, they at least offer some content with AD. Although when Netflix had Star Wars Clone Wars, it was available with AD, but now it's on Disney+, Plus. the AD track isn't available anymore. <laughs> Come on, Disney, sheesh. Mm. At least they aren't as bad as Bell's Crave app, which is where Star Trek Picard and Discovery is available. That service has no AD content whatsoever. I did reach out to them requesting that they smarten up and get with the program, but it isn't looking too promising. Who knows? Maybe they might surprise us one day. These two shows are available on Bell's CTV sci-fi mobile app, but sadly, like Crave, no AD. I did want to bring up a service that I use called Ciro. It's from the folks at Ciro Tech, the group that brought us such hits as the System Access Screen Reader, which was my first screen reader I used after losing my eyesight. The service used to be called System Access Mobile Network, SAMnet, but they rebranded it just as Ciro. It's about $9 a month, and it's a hub with lots of accessible information. The main reason I use it is for all their catalog of, you guessed it, described content. If there's any content out there that has described audio track, eventually it finds its way to Ciro. Their naming convention for organizing and sorting their content can be on at times, but I've managed to get content from Apple TV and Disney Plus and Netflix. For those with a budget, they just aren't sure which service to pay for. This one-stop shop seems to have it all. Just thought I would mention it. On another note, Stephen, you once mentioned that you used to use a Sonos remote app for the Apple Watch. Do you recall what it was called, and is it still an app you use today? I found a couple of them called Sonobit, Lid, and even one called Intercom that seems to allow you to use your Sonos speakers as an intercom system. Got that one from Jonathan Mosin on his recent episode of the Mosin at Large podcast. To add something to the segment, what's in your drawers? After 24 years, I still have my original Perkins Mental Braille tape writer. Yay! Back in high school, when I first started to lose my eyesight, I began learning French and English Braille with my Braille teacher, which I'm still friends with to this day. In an attempt to get me ready in the event that I were to completely lose my eyesight in the future, I can remember typing up several hundred papers with that old Perkins Brailler. Sadly, after graduating high school, since I still had some usable eyesight, I haven't really practiced it in years since I still have my old trusty Perkins Brailler. After hearing Stephen's quest to learn Braille, I've been inspired by Stephen. Wow, never oh, thought I'd ever say that. To you. consider refreshing my memory. I do recall the basic alphabet and punctuations, but as far as the abbreviations, especially with French Braille, sheesh, that's going to be one heck of a mountain to climb. Lastly, Stephen, I must clear the air on one of the reasons why Tim's favorite segment, Tim's Bits probably takes its name from a rather delectable snack available here in Canada. Insert Stephen's naughty thoughts here. In Canada, one of the most popular coffee shops is called Tim Hortons, named after a hockey player whom I believe retired and started up this massive empire. Well, they have these snacks called Timbits, which are basically a golf ball-shaped piece of a donut. There are a wide range of different kinds of Timbits, almost one for every variety of donut they sell. Since AMI and Tim Hortons are both located in Canada, and you guys have a Tim all of your own, that could very well be the reason why they called Tim segments Tim's Bits. Thanks again, guys, for all the hard work you guys put into the show. I always look forward to listening to the show each week, and you always spend most of it cracking up with a smile. I must protest one thing, though. You need a Canadian host. You can't be called Double Tap Canada and not have a Canuck at the table. Oh, oh Stephen, if you're wondering what the heck a Canuck is, it's not some weird Canadian beaver or otter. It's an old way of describing a Canadian. Take care, guys, and stay out of trouble. Daniel. Wow. Well, I thought okay. we were going to be in trouble after that. Right. Okay. <laughs> wow. wow. So, so many things. Wow. Yeah, and I hope you were taking notes uh, during that. Right. Okay. So first things first, um, to the Canadian host point. Check. We did that last week. I'm only kidding. We'll have more. I think we fulfilled our quota for the year, right? A female yes, and a Canadian. Right, yeah. we're, we're done. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, now, on the point of Cero. Careful. Tim, yeah, I have to be honest, this is a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's not the home of um, audio-described content that it might appear. Is that fair? That would be fair. And pulling the curtain back a little bit, the three of us have talked about Cero for quite some time. We are well aware mm -hmm. of it, but we've also been aware that it's a tricky subject to bring up because those audio-described tracks that they're offering, it's not like Cero is licensing those from Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Apple TV+, and, and the like. They are basically getting those files from other various places or maybe even getting them themselves, uh, you know, copying them or ripping them from the show themselves. I know. <laughs> I'm so nervous right I now. I know. That's why I, yeah, I'm so I'm nervous about this. And they are, they are offering them within their app and service. And so if you do pay for a monthly subscription to Sarah's service to have their app, which is available on iPhone and Apple TV, I, I don't know if it's on Android as well, but it might be. It does offer an audio description section, and there are many files there. But yeah, the, but that's community. That's community given, isn't it? The community can yeah, the community kind of puts that together. Sell. It's kind of all in the background. It's similar to the uh, files that you can get from the uh, Blind My Smart, which is another place that also offers audio described files. But again, they're not they're not licensing those from well, the well, companies. Uh, do we actually know they're not licensing it? Yes. Well, I don't think they would be. I don't think they would. No, be, it, to, to me, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like being charged for things that are taken like that. That's, that's all I'm saying. And that's why we, in the past, the three of us have talked about Cero. We've, we've discussed the idea of, of should we talk about it on the show, and since we have this email, we'll, we'll tackle it. But it, it's just a little uncomfortable because, yeah, it's not like they're they're licensing these, uh, these files. Uh, is it a nice way to get some of these things if you can't get it anywhere else? Y yeah, obviously. Um, but is it maybe the most bearing, up and, and also, up way? Bearing in, no. mind, bear, bearing in mind as well, this is just audio. There's no Correct. Yeah, there's yet. no video. There, it's just audio. And the companies may, maybe that's why they just kind of look the other way, because it's not like the video is included. But at the same time, if we want companies to take audio description seriously and license these audio described tracks out, just like they would a Spanish track or a French track, we want to be treated equally and have it be distributed everywhere, then something like this, I don't know that that helps our cause. If, so, you know, I, I recently have spoken with an audio description narrator who talked to me about the, the distribution process. And he said, yeah, when they license these tracks, just like they would license, you know, the standard original, you know, English track. And then they, of course, have, as I mentioned, the Spanish track or the French track. They also have to license out to distribute the audio description track. And if, say, Universal Pictures or Paramount or somebody is licensing a TV show or a movie to a streaming service or a third-party company, it's up to that other company to say, oh, we're going to purchase the rights to the audio description track, too, so we can use it. If that doesn't happen when they do all this distribution then we don't see it cross-platform. And that's the problem. And that's where we've talked about a Marrakesh-style type treaty or yeah. regulations in government that say, you know what? When you make these contracts, when you distribute your, your shows and movies to other companies or other services, and you have that licensing agreement, you need to include audio description just like you would any other alternative track. If you had it to begin with, you paid to create it, why aren't you distributing it everywhere else that it needs to be? And that's where the problem comes in. I've been told that there's yeah. many movies and shows where description has been recorded, 
but then it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't get used, and that that's just a shame. Look, before we go, just one more uh, comment, actually. This one actually is a voicemail that was left for us uh, on our phone number, which we'll give you in a moment. Uh, let's go to uh, the voicemails. Hi there, Double Tap team. Oh, uh, this is uh, Eden Kaiser from the Vancouver, Washington area, and it's quite okay to use my comments on the air. As someone who has read Braille all my life, I agree with you on totally how important this is, and I was very fortunate. Um, there was a, I guess it was a preschool, and I think it was an elementary school as well, but when I was three years old, my mom would take me to this school about once a week, and they would teach me Braille. So. I was one of the ones that got to see my name in Braille when I was about three and a half years old, and I cannot imagine my life without Braille. I, I read about 400 words per minute, and um, a lot of people say wow. you can't read Braille as fast as you can read speech. Well, I guess that depends on who you are, and even though I can use speech, I honestly usually just use my cue Braille and have voiceover be silent, so that's it's really a good thing. I like that a lot, and I enjoy being able to type very quickly in Braille, um, and I also have motor issues, you know, with the screen, with the iPhone screen, mm. so I find having a Braille display really, really awesome, and uh, I really like the Q Braille. I find that to be an excellent, excellent Braille display, but congratulations, Stephen, on your focus. Um Glad you're loving it. Um, and as far as you, Sean, good luck learning that Braille. And uh, don't stop with the momentum. Keep it up. Um, don't get too discouraged. And I'm sure there's lots of us out there who would be more than happy to help if you need help. So there you go. look forward to hearing more of your excellent shows. And keep up the good work. Hey, thank you so thank much you. for that. That is lovely. That is really lovely. Um, listen, we are out of time, guys, I'm afraid. Uh, I had a feeling it would be like this this yes. week, but we are back next week uh, at the same time, of course, and also on the podcast. If you want to keep in touch, please do. Uh, we love getting your feedback, and that's how to get it to us. Feedback at ami.ca or call toll-free on one eight six six five zero nine four five four five. That's one eight six six. 509-4545 and uh, do let us know that it's okay to use your voicemail on air. Uh, thank you, Mark. Oh, so happy to do this for you. Oh, well, get back to your holiday now, for goodness sake. And uh, for the rest of you, thank you guys as well for being here this week on the show. Uh, as always, we will, of course, be doing it all again next week at the same time. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.